developing your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. What's up? Hey, thanks for joining me today on The Shaleen Show, where today... This episode is devoted to your questions. Thanks for submitting them on Instagram. If you haven't already, please do me a favor. Right at the very top of our show notes is a link to my Instagram. You should click on that. Make sure you follow it. And then turn on your notifications so that you know when I'm on my stories. That's where you submitted your questions that I'm about to answer. Let's do it. First question. Hey, Shalene, how is Brett doing? Oh, well, first of all, Debbie, thank you so much for this question. Brett is doing well. She also asks, is he able to walk? Yes. Brett, for those of you, that's my husband, Brett. And just a few weeks ago on a Saturday, Brett went and crushed it at the gym. I think the gym workout's kind of unrelated. We're not sure. But he went and did a workout and he came back from it. And shortly thereafter, he lost feeling in his legs. And by the next morning, it had worked itself up into his hips and his hands. He went to the ER. He's since then met with neurologists, orthopedic surgeons, physical therapists. He's done all the tests. He's done all the blood work. He's done everything. And they've just think it is a matter of a stress-induced sudden onset of neuropathy. And neuropathy is just kind of a catch-all term that means there's something neurological going on. Basically, he just lost feeling. He never lost strength. He was always able to walk. I shouldn't say he's never lost strength. He's lost some strength, but not to the point where he couldn't walk, etc. Like today, two weeks later, he says that he's about 25% better, which is fantastic because with this incredible community that I have, especially on Instagram and on Facebook, I just heard from thousands, literally thousands of people who had something similar happen. And the ones where it was almost identical to Brett's, people said it took between basically three months to nine months before the feeling came back, the ones that were almost identical to Brett's. No, it is not related to the vaccine. Lots of people ask that question. Brett hasn't had the vaccine. You can judge as you want. He hasn't had it. His neuropathy is more likely than not stress-induced. There's a lot of stress going on, as you know, in our household, in our lives, I should say. Caring for a family member is stressful that stress trickles down into everything else. It's stressful because other family members are involved. It's just all around, it is stressful. More stressful than probably most other things that we've done. It's not just the caring for Bob. It's just the layers that are involved with a family member who is in this condition. It's just, it's really complicated. Back to Brett. He found this gentleman. His name is Steve. You can find him on Instagram. His Instagram handle is arm, A-R-M, of Steve, arm of Steve. And I don't know how to describe him or what he does, but he uses the hashtag, it just works. And he has figured out the neurological system. It's very unconventional. It's very bizarre. I haven't experienced it myself personally, but Brett discovered him because one of our friends said, you just have to try this guy. He's the person that people go to when they've tried everything else. And Brett wasn't at that stage. He's like, I'm not going to wait. I'm going to go to him like right away. 
And he's given him incredible relief. Every time he goes to see him, he gets better. And if you follow him on Instagram, you'll see like he's not necessarily like the best Instagram content, but that's not his gift. His gift is what he does. Like he gets babies to stop having seizures. He's helped people with MS. He's helped people who have crazy neurological disorders, spinal injuries. It's just, it's remarkable. And I just kind of think some people are given a gift and he's one of those dudes. So if you're someone who has tried everything, what do you have to lose? Ashley asked me, how much of a difference do you think it made when you first started taking medication for your ADHD? I'm starting to take it tomorrow and I'm extremely nervous. Well, here's the deal, Ashley, and anyone else. It depends. It's completely different for every single person. As I've mentioned many times, I have friends who have ADHD who felt like their symptoms were made worse or they didn't like the side effects from it. So a couple things to take into consideration. First of all, the type of ADHD that you have, and it is really important that you work with a doctor who specializes in knowing the differences, knowing the different nuances, and how medications can impact you depending upon what type of ADHD you have. So there are short-acting forms of stimulations for ADHD, like Ritalin, like Focalin, Concerta. There are short-acting amphetamines like Adderall. Vivance, and there's a few other new ones too. And again, some people have side effects that are not pleasant. I've heard friends say that it deadened their creativity or they felt nervous or anxious. They lost their appetite. They found themselves being more anxious. For me, I haven't had those side effects. I have inattentive form of ADHD. I do not have obsessive thoughts. I am not anxious and I haven't had past traumas capital T, really, to speak of. So that may be one of the reasons why or a couple of the reasons why it works for me. But here's what you need to know. You can make a huge difference in the way that you're able to manage your symptoms by managing your lifestyle, by getting more sleep, by understanding the supplements that really help with the regulation of dopamine, that really help with your ability to focus. There's so many things you can do in terms of activities, producing brain-derived neurotropic factor. As I've talked about many times, like lifting heavy for your lower body, that's going to increase your brain-derived neurotropic factors. There are supplements that you can take that boost your brain-derived neurotropic factor. Today's episode of The Shalene Show is sponsored by our friends at Organifi. You've heard me talk about them probably way too many times, but it's because the stuff is so good and it's helpful, especially if you're dealing with brain fog or ADHD or you're just want to have a quicker memory. So many products, but my favorite is Organifi Pure. It comes in a little packet or you can get it in a tub now, which is super convenient. I prefer the little packets. I dump one of the Pures into my water and then I have Organifi Immunity. These are two different products, but these are the two that I'm obsessed with. Obviously, immune, why wouldn't you want to bolster your own immune response? But the immunity is great because it kind of has an orange flavor and then the pure tastes a little bit like my lemon ginger water. So when I mix them together, it's literally, it makes me drink so much more water and I know I'm getting my immunity. For example, it gives you 500% of your daily needs for vitamin C. In addition to that, it's got zinc, vegan vitamin D3, very, very important. So many people don't even realize that their vitamin D is insufficient and that's why their energy is low. That's why they can't lose their fat. 
The immunity product also helps because it bolsters your immune system. It's got an antiviral and antifungal, and it really tastes delicious. I also love the Pure. That's the one that I take for my brain. It's got 11 different superfoods. It's 100% USDA certified organic. It is clinically proven, this is huge, to boost brain-derived neurotropic factor. Why do you need to care about that? Because that's what makes you think more clearly. That is what helps to increase the neurogenesis. That's like your little connections in your brain and they connect faster. And that's the stuff that we need if we want better memory, if we want to feel mentally sharp, if we want to pull up information quicker in our heads, we want to be less forgetful, then we need to think about these things. A lot of their products are fantastic. Those are two of my favorite. I'm going to let you check out the rest of them. They are going to give you 20% off all of their products when you use code Shaleen. So you go to Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash Shaleen. That gets you 20% off. O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash Shaleen. Get 20% off. All their products are great. My favorites, Pure and Immunity. There are activities you can do that improve your neuroplasticity, like playing ping pong or tennis or boxing or anything where you have to be reactive and you're learning something new, where you're focused to use upper body, lower body at the same time and have a reactionary time or reactionary response. So for me, doing turbo kick or turbo fire, those are choreographed. I don't have to react. Yes, it's new when you're first learning it, so there's some brain plasticity that's happening. But any activity that you've mastered is no longer providing you those benefits. So it's forcing yourself to try and learn new things that are complicated, that force your brain to focus. Those things are going to improve your symptoms and help you to manage your ADHD even better than medication. And Ashley, you said you're nervous about it. Why? If it doesn't benefit you, you won't have to take it. Just don't take it if it's not benefiting you. You know, practice these other lifestyle changes because I think you'll find they can oftentimes be far more effective than prescription medications. Rihanna asks, what is your current workout schedule? Okay, here we go. I'm just gonna be honest with you guys. This is what it is. I'm not telling you this is what you need to do. This is for my mental well-being as much as my physical well-being. So on Monday mornings, I cycle with my best friend, Dr. Michaela. It's not an intense workout. It's just getting our heart rates up. It's steady state cardio. We'll do usually like 30, 40 minutes. It's not intense. It's enjoyable. It's a way for us to connect and talk and kind of wake up. From there, I go to work with a personal trainer, my friend Mia Finnegan, and we strength train. We strength train on Mondays and on Fridays. So that's my routine on Mondays and Fridays. Cardio first, then strength training. My strength training is usually about an hour. I lift very heavy and we're always changing or phasing the rotation. So I might be doing something pretty similar to the program I designed, Shaleen Extreme. But I love having a trainer to help me do this because I stay off my phone. So my workout is more effective. I work harder when I have someone standing next to me. And it's just great accountability. Like I don't miss when you hire a trainer It is like hiring a coach or anything else. You're going to get better. They're going to have different techniques. And most importantly, when you pay, you pay attention. So I typically start my cycling workout at about 7.15 a.m. And then my strength training starts at 8.30. I'm done by 9.30, 9.45 if we're chatty. And then I shower and start my day. As you guys know, I do not 
do anything work-related until 11 a.m. So that first part of my day is for me. I used to schedule my workouts at 5.30 a.m. I don't do that anymore because I prioritize my brain health. I prioritize living longer. So I'm not going to skip sleep to get a workout in. Been there, done that, and I now recognize today that that is not a healthy decision. It's not a healthy decision for you either. Your sleep is more important than your workout. If, however, I do not have the opportunity to cycle on Monday mornings, then I typically will schedule a boxing workout with my trainer, Jeremiah. That is for my brain. I mean, it's physical too, and it's HIIT training like no other. Like It is the most unbelievable anaerobic workout you will ever get, but I can't even tell you what it does for my brain. Like Just having to memorize these combinations and It's not like choreography that you memorize. You're looking at his hands. And so depending on the way he holds his mitt, like if he holds it slightly flexed this way, then you know you throw a hook. And if he pops his hand up really fast and it's in this direction, then you know you're supposed to throw an uppercut. So it makes your brain respond really quickly. And I think that's just like the best thing in the world that I do for my neuroplasticity, for my brain. Tuesday mornings, I typically will do a little bit of light cardio, and that's my leg day. So I'll train legs on my own, pretty heavy at the gym, love leg day. On Wednesdays, I build my muscle by doing something body weight related. So I might do like 20 or 30 minutes of Pio, which is a combination of Pilates and yoga. So I'm working on my flexibility. I'm working on, you know, like push-ups and using my own body weight to strengthen my core. And I do a morning boxing workout with Again, my coach, Jeremiah. And as I've said, like that's something that's, it's just such a priority for me right now. He lives pretty far away. So I have to spend an hour (laughs) driving to and from his place. But it's worth it because, again, it's so good for my brain. And that's something I need right now. Like I don't feel guilty at all about doing it. It's stress management and it's brain training. Like that's my neuroplasticity, it's my anaerobic training. It's my de-stress. It's something I do for me. I freaking love it. It's so hard. It feels amazing. And I highly recommend if you've never worked with a true boxing coach, you got to give it a try. It is so fun. That's Wednesdays. Thursday, I will do some kind of light cardio, a steady state cardio that's non-impact. So typically I'll like do a cycle bike workout or I might do a stair climber and then I will train lower body again. So lower body is on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Friday morning, it's back to cycling with my girl, Dr. Michaela. Again, that's steady state. It's low key. It's not intense. It's just, you know, for my heart rate, it's to stave off Alzheimer's. It's to make sure that I live longer. As long as you're doing 25 to 35 minutes of cardio five times a week, y'all are going to be just fine. Your brain is going to be 30% better than someone who doesn't do that. So yeah, you should be prioritizing that as many days a week as possible. I'm not beating myself up the way I used to. I'm taking care of my heart. And just as I do on Mondays, on Friday mornings, I go directly from cycling with my BFF to an upper body strength training workout. I will typically do, again, this is with my trainer, typically we will do like six to eight different exercises anywhere. It depends on you know how we're phasing my workouts just like we do again in Shalene Extreme. So if you kind of want to know the way I lift, if you are interested, you can try these workouts by going to Beachbody On Demand and look for the Shalene Extreme workouts. Even though my outfits are absolutely horrible, sorry, 
it was the times. That's what we were wearing. It's like very Ed Hardy-esque. It's pretty funny. Anyways, and the boots, the boots. I told you in those videos that I would someday regret those boots. And they're iconic. I love that they live on forever and ever and ever. And you'll always be able to taunt me with the boots. But anyways, the workout is incredibly sound. That doesn't change. That workout is what I do today. I just happen to do it with a trainer because that's more fun, keeps me accountable. And so we're always phasing the workout. But currently on Fridays, I'm lifting upper body. Saturday mornings, that's fun for me. Saturday mornings, I will typically do something different. Like that's the day I might do some more payo. I might go for a run on the beach. I might run on the trails. I might take a class like my girlfriend, Monica owns a cycling studio. I might go out and take one of her classes, or I might find a unique different class to take at a different studio, or I might just do a HIIT workout outside at the gym. Like Saturdays, I just wake up and ask myself, like, what do I feel like doing? Saturdays are also another leg day. So I train legs three days a week. That's really, really important for the BDNF. It's important because I like to feel strong. It's because that's where the majority of your muscle is. I just, I love the way it looks that my legs are stronger and I like that my butt is bigger and stronger. I love all these things. So I train legs on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays currently. And then Sundays, I usually will plan to do something upper body, but not always. I just don't put any pressure on myself to get a workout in on Sunday, but I definitely try to do something for at least 20 to 25 minutes. That's for my heart, whether that's roller skating or walking on the beach, or it just depends. Like I just don't put pressure on myself. I ask myself on Sundays, like what sounds good? What does my body feel like it needs? And sometimes it feels like it needs rest. Now, having said that, I know I just went over like seven days a week and you're like, wait, what day do you rest? The way that I rest is what I would consider active rest. I pay attention to my body. If I feel tired, if I feel worn out, if I feel sore, then I won't do anything. But I almost always will do something to get my heart rate up because that always feels good because that's not going to damage my body further but I, I don't push myself beyond my limits. I don't do things just because it's on my schedule. I don't feel a pressure or an anxiety or the urge to exercise because of calories or because of what I ate the day before or because I've got a photo shoot coming up. I just don't live that life anymore. I eat healthy, but I eat what I want. So if I want some French fries, I'll eat some French fries. I eat salads with protein because I love that. That's what I crave. I don't eat a lot of meat because I don't like it. I don't love it, but I also don't avoid it. I love fish. I love healthy greens. I love a plant-based diet. I do very little processed foods. And by that, I mean like processed shakes and protein bars. Yes, I do have them if I'm in an absolute pinch because, you know, just for convenience sake, but I try to completely avoid those. I eat what I want. And I exercise to make myself feel good in the same way that I eat to make myself feel good. I don't feel good if I eat junk. I don't feel good if I drink crappy alcohol. So if I'm going to enjoy an alcoholic beverage, it is going to be something that I know is not only organic, but isn't loaded with impurities and toxins. And because most alcohol here in the United States doesn't have to be labeled, they don't have to tell you what's in it. Most of it is loaded with garbage. So I tend to drink like dry farm wines. I'll put a link to that in our show notes because it tastes delicious. And they now have this sparkling wine that it's lighter. It's got less alcohol. 
and they import these. So it's dry farm wines isn't just like one winery. It's a company that does the sourcing for you. Like they find the best wineries. Most of them are European and they import delicious, amazing, organic wines from these small mom and pop wineries. So it's just a delicious way to try great wines. And it's crazy. You don't get a headache. You don't get hungover. You don't get puffy. You don't get all the things that happen when you put impurities in your body. Not that I'm trying to encourage you to drink more, but if I'm going to have a cocktail, if I'm going to have a glass of wine, lately it's been a sparkling rosé or a sparkling wine from Dry Farm Wines. I love them. Again, I'll put a link in the show notes because I do have a special deal with Dry Farm Wines. I think you get a free bottle of wine with your first order. I'm almost positive that's what you get. That link is dryfarmwinesplural.com forward slash Shaleen. So dryfarmwines.com forward slash Shaleen. Ha, next question is from Holby2017. She says, any thoughts on how to get motivation to work out at age 51? You just have to want something. You know, when your why is strong enough, you find a way. So is it motivation or is it the discipline? Because if it's the discipline, then what you need probably is some accountability, something that you're just really looking forward to it. So it's like a habit. Any habit, once you tap into the reward of it, then you don't have to rely on motivation anymore. Like I don't need motivation to exercise because I'm so tapped into the rewards. I'm tapped into the rewards of how it makes me feel, how it helps me to be de-stressed, how it makes my husband so excited about my physique. Like he's constantly telling me like, I can't believe your body. Like that's very motivating. It's motivating to feel stronger. It's motivating to see progress at any age. It's motivating to feel good. It's motivating to know that I'm going to live longer. So all of those rewards, I think about those and I think about wanting all of those things and the way to get all of those things and to regulate my mood, to feel more creative. Like there's so many rewards to exercising that I just, I can't imagine not wanting to do it. So my suggestion to you would be to tap into the rewards, whatever those are for you, and then start slow, start small, be realistic and let it grow. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. Just be realistic about it and enjoy the process. Katie asks, what have you done that makes your eyebrows look lifted? Is that Botox or something else? That's hard to say. You know, like I look at older pictures of me, like when I was in my 20s and 30s, and I think my face does look different. Like for one thing, as you age, you start to lose puffiness in your face. At least I do. So that makes my face look a little bit different, but higher eyebrows. So yes, probably Botox. The places where I get my Botox, I always tell my doctor, and that's Dr. K. What's up, Dr. K? I tell her, okay, this, I just want kind of like a lifted eyebrow. I don't want it around my eyes because I like to be able to squint. I actually like the wrinkles around my eyes because I like my smile better when I can kind of scrunch up my eyes. I've had Botox around my eyes before and I thought I looked so weird. I look like a dead face. I could not handle it. Every time I looked at myself, I'm like, what is going on with my face? And I'm sure you've seen those people where it's like, why aren't they making an expression? That's how I felt. And I was trying so hard. I would try so hard to squint my eyes when I did that, that the rest of my face felt like I was fighting my face. Anyways, back to the Botox. I do get a little bit of Botox on my forehead that helps to lift the eyebrows from what I understand. But you should also know that I've heard many people, I haven't had this happen myself, but some people, if they go to a doctor who's not really good, they can inject you in the wrong place and you get an eyebrow drop. 
yeah, that ain't cute. Eventually, it'll go away. Apparently, there's some ways you can try to reverse it, but you just have to know that there's always the possibility of complications. I'm always going to be honest with you guys about this stuff and what I do. Let's see. The other thing that helps with an eyebrow lift is the way that I pencil in my eyebrows. My daughter has the most amazing eyebrows. So does my son. So does my husband. That's the Johnson gene. I didn't get that. My family has good eyebrows, but they're very fair. Like my eyebrows are blonde. They're very light. So probably every two years I have my eyebrows microbladed. Game freaking changer. Do you know how nice it is to get out of the shower, to wipe your face with a towel and still have eyebrows? It is so nice. It's the best investment I've ever made. I really do believe so. But like with all things, you have to go to someone who's truly an artist. I've seen so many. Oh my God. I've seen so many bad microbladed eyebrows. It looks like, you know how like our grandmas and our aunts used to like, like draw on their eyebrows and it looked like a magic marker. And I think it was like in the forties, they all like pluck their eyebrows out and then they would just like draw them on. Or maybe you've seen like really bad eyebrow tattoos. This is not a tattoo. Microblading is, they're like individual little teeny tiny lines, but the color, the shape, how they do that is an art form. And lots of people are certified to do it. Lots of people have been trained to do it, but that does not make them an artist. So you have to find someone who is truly an artist. Just look at their work. Look at all of their work. And if there's any examples and you're like, oh my God, that's not good, then don't go to them. It's worth every penny. Don't be cheap when it comes to your microblading. Find someone who's really, really good at it. And then, you know, that I have touched up like every two years. But if you do it once, like it will lighten up, especially if you exercise regularly and depending on the color of your skin, your skin pigmentation. But for me, I mean, I just have it just barely touched up every two years. And it's amazing. Under the Stars Farm says, what address can I send Bob some fresh lavender from our farm? Oh, that's so sweet. That's wonderful. I will put my mailing address in our show notes so you can check that out there. Y'all can send Bob. Please don't send any sweets because unfortunately, as much as we love the sweets, they don't help with brain function and Alzheimer's. So I love you guys for doing that. But yeah, I'll put our mailing address in the show notes. The Diamond De Leon asks, I think I said that correctly, do you offer private coaching? If so, how much? Yes, I do, but only to Brock and Sierra, and it's free and my best friends. So yeah, Brett and I, at this moment, are not doing private coaching. We did that for a very short period of time. And while we enjoyed it, we also found it to be a little frustrating, I guess. I think some people are really good at this, and I just couldn't stop worrying or thinking about or micromanaging or like trying to do the work for people. And if they paid me a lot of money to do this and then they didn't like follow through on the things that we had laid out for them to do, I just took it personal and I felt guilty. I felt bad that they weren't doing the work. And then I would spend so much time and effort thinking about them and worrying about them and like doing the work for them. And I just thought, this is not worth it. So I rarely do private coaching. The private coaching that I do now is at God's request. And I can't tell you how this happens, but it has to align with the availability I have in my schedule. And this person will come into my life somehow, some way. And it's just, it's like, you know, it's meant to be. And I will give them some coaching and see how they respond. Oftentimes I'll ask, you know, and then 
I will see how they respond. And if it feels like they're actually taking action and taking initiative and following through, then I'll continue to pour into them. But I have learned through personal experience that if I'm pouring into somebody, if they don't want it as much for themselves as I want it for them, then it's not a healthy relationship. It's not healthy for me. It's not healthy for them. And I pull back. And that's so much easier to do when someone's not paying you. And it just feels like a way for me to give back that it works for me right now. That could change at some point in the future. But at the moment, we don't do any private coaching. Kay Kravitz asks, how do you maneuver being consistent in social media when you're feeling off? That's a great question. I don't post. I don't post in my stories. As you guys know, because you listen to the podcast, I'm pretty honest. Like if I'm going through it, I talk about it on Fridays. If I'm not in the mood, I don't post on social media. I don't fake it. Or I might make it about my audience and not about me. So if I'm feeling like I want to talk or I want to communicate with my audience, I'll ask you, like, what are you going through? What's on your mind? What questions do you have? Like this, this is a post where I ask people, what questions did you have for me? And I responded to them. But if I'm not in the mood, I'm not going to show up. And I think that we do too much phony social media stuff and it kind of bugs me. You can't possibly be in a great mood every single day. Not that I think you need to go on social media when you're in a bad way, but I try to make sure people know that I am a human and I let them know, like, I'm in a bad way today or I'm frustrated, I'm stressed, got a lot going on. I'm just really honest about it, but I don't feel any pressure to show up in any way other than what I know to be authentic and honest for me. Gabby asks, what is of higher importance, sleep or exercise? No question, sleep. Miss Kyla Briggs, I hope I said that right, because I guess it could also be Mr. Skylab Briggs, <laughs> or maybe it's Miss Kyla Briggs. Anyways, I think it's Kyla. She asked, do you think it's possible to burn out from information overload? Hell to the yeah, for sure. I think that we are all at a risk of taking in so much information that it's available to us for free. Like this podcast, you guys, it's free. And you're a personal growth junkie. I freaking love that. That just means you know you want to be a better person. And there comes a point, though, at which we are spending so much time taking in information that we're not making the changes. We're not implementing the things that we've learned. And that's when we reach an overload because your brain will start to feel that. Your brain will start to feel like all these ideas and tips and strategies are piling up, but you haven't done anything with them. So how do you fix this? You stop yourself and you say, like, what is the thing? What is the one piece of information that can make the biggest difference in the way that I feel and who I am? Okay, let's just focus on just taking in that information only. Information only on this topic. I do this regularly where I'll pick a subject because I'm guilty as anyone else of doing the information overload. I'll pick a subject and I'll say, this is what I want to study right now. And I will specifically only listen to podcasts or books or audiobooks or do programs that address that particular subject. And I try to stay on that subject so that I'm inundated with only one topic as opposed to 90 different topics. And then I allow myself the time to actually implement what I've learned and see the growth, feel the changes, see the progress. That's how you avoid that overload. So make sure you're doing that. That was a great question. Really good question for this audience. Georgia Jewell asks, what is the best strategy if I want to start a business and I'm also working full time? 
Phenomenal question. Number one, you need to make sure that you are subscribed to Build Your Tribe because we've done so many episodes for free there. Like there's hours, hundreds and hundreds of hours of free coaching that will walk you through that process. Look at the title of the episode. Not every episode is for you if you're just starting out, if you haven't started a business yet, but there's so many that are specifically devoted to you figuring out how to manage your time while you're working full-time, while you're caring for your family full-time. But the Cliff Notes version is this. You have to remember that there's a lot of extra hours and time in the day. You've got to manage your time. So that might mean that you've got to skip out on watching movies or spending extra time with your girlfriends on the weekend. It means that you might have to eliminate the random scrolling that we do on social media, but it doesn't have to be a ton of time. Literally, if you can just carve out like a couple of hours each week, you can start your business. It's so much easier than what people recognize. It's one of the things that we help people do inside the Marketing Impact Academy. We have this whole course that you start before you actually dig into the Marketing Impact content that's called the Online Income Quick Start, where we teach people how to, in less than two weeks, start making money online. And that's usually the catalyst that gets people thinking like, whoa, whoa, not that I'm making so much money that it's replacing my full-time income, but what it does is it opens up your eyes so that you can see what is possible. It is a myth. It's a misconception that you need to start a part-time business and that that income will replace your full-time income. I don't know too many people it works that way. Instead, what happens is you start a side hustle, right? And you're working full-time. And that side hustle, you start realizing like, dang, I'm working just a few hours and look how much money I'm making. Once you realize that if you were to quit your full-time job, that you would be making more money with your side hustle, that's when you make that decision to do that. Or you ask because trust me, if you are a valuable team member, your boss is going to allow you to go part-time because they're going to take some of you versus none of you. So and this is what I always recommend people do. Before you quit, just go into your boss and say, you know, I'd I like the opportunity to work fewer hours. I want to work 10 hours. I want to work 20 hours, whatever it is, so that you can continue to grow your side hustle. But there are a lot of things to factor in. Are you willing to pay for your own insurance? Are you truly an entrepreneur where you want to lead a team or does it make sense for you to keep your full-time job and also have a side hustle? So you've got this extra income just in case something were to happen or just in case, you know, you come in one day and the business has been sold and you hate the new owners or you have a major falling out with all of your coworkers. I don't know. It's just nice to have a plan B, you know, everybody today, like it is Frankly, I think it's kind of irresponsible not to have some kind of a side hustle and for sure to teach your kids that they can create an additional stream of income, an extra source of money other than the one that's contingent upon someone else. We can all do this today and it's far easier than you think. If you don't believe me, start listening to Build Your Tribe. Okay, last question. Miss Rina Ruiz, I hope I said that correctly, asks, I think you are no longer with Beachbody. What do you think about the newer workouts? Are they effective? Well, thank you for asking. Well, I'm no longer creating new workouts for Beachbody, but my former workouts, the workouts I've created in the past, are still on Beachbody On Demand. My infomercial, Pio, is still running on TV. It's still the number one fitness infomercial. Isn't that crazy? That's exciting, and that's fun. And obviously, if you've listened to this episode, you know that I 
am regularly doing workouts. I regularly make up workouts for my friends. I'm always creating new pyo routines, but I am no longer marketing those workouts personally. And I'm not creating new workouts for Beachbody at this time. I think they're a great company. I think the coaches are awesome. I'm very grateful for the opportunities and the friendships and the experiences. However, the structure of Beachbody, you know, just kind of the way that they've evolved didn't necessarily work for me, but I think it's great for other people. With regard to the newer workouts, I don't know because I haven't done any of them. But I will say this. I am a fan of any workout that people enjoy. I'm a fan of movement. I think that we get so caught up in criticizing of this movement or that movement. And I think that there's a whole bunch of hate out there in every industry, whether it's you know, YouTubers bashing YouTubers or people bashing fitness programs or, you know, makeup videos, like whatever. Everyone's a judge. Everyone's a critic. My thing is, if there's a workout that brings somebody joy and it helps them to move, how could you knock it? Like, it's phenomenal. That's amazing. In terms of effectiveness, it depends on what is your goal, right? So depending upon what your goal is, you've got to find the right trainer and the right workout to meet that goal. So again, I haven't done any of the new workouts. I love my own routines. And by that, I mean like what I do every day. I personally, I don't get it. And like more power to the trainers who actually do their own workouts. I would be so weirded out to do my own workout, like to listen to myself telling me what to do. That's weird. Like I already know what to do. So like, why would I watch a video of me telling me what to do? That seems strange, but whatever. A lot of people watch their own videos. I don't. But I just, I love that there's so much variety out there. I love that there's so many things for people to choose from, from the variety of Beachbody trainers. I think outside of Beachbody, like there's Peloton and there's the mirror and there's just, there's so much fitness out there now, which is, you know, frankly, it's really, really hard for anyone who wants to, you know, become a multimillionaire as a fitness professional. Like the money in fitness has changed. And I think the integrity of fitness has been watered down a lot. Like when I first started, like, man, you had to have like all the degrees, all the certifications, you had to have the background in kinesiology, like everything had to be so sound. And today I think that if somebody's got a nice body and Instagram following, they're suddenly a fitness expert. You know what? I don't bash it because if that is going to motivate somebody to move, if that's going to inspire someone to exercise and to get healthy, more power to them. I think it's great. I think that we've got more awareness around fitness. I think there's a far greater supply. I don't know if the demand is there, but there's certainly an endless supply of any kind of workout you can think of is available to you now on your phone for free. And that is a good thing. Okay, I lied. One more question. And this is from MDito18. She said, how do you get over feeling disappointed in yourself when you make silly mistakes as a result of your ADHD? This one is so real. I am telling you, it is daily. I guess more often than not, I'm able to find the humor in it. I honestly can't tell you how many times every day I end up laughing at myself because it's just like, wow. And part of it was my diagnosis. So before I had the diagnosis and I would do those things, I was almost horrified with myself like, oh, what does this mean? Oh my gosh, what is wrong with me? And I would try to cover it up or hide it or I would never tell anyone what I'd just done. Or, I mean, like today, I left to go to boxing with Sierra and Brett handed me a container of supplements 
And he said, you're going to see Sierra, right? And I said, yes. He goes, okay, here, go put these in your car right now to give to Sierra. I'm like, okay, I will not forget. So I put the supplements in the front seat of my car, saw Sierra, did my boxing, came home, pulled into my driveway, went to grab my water bottle out of the passenger side seat. And I was like, huh, there's those supplements that Brett told me not to forget. And I guess because I celebrate all the other things that I am able to do. And rather than seeing that mistake as being a reflection on me, it's a reflection on my disorder, if you will. It's the ADHD. That's not me. I'm not lazy. I'm not forgetful, but my brain makes me behave that way, if that makes sense. I just, I don't take it on as a reflection of who I am in the same way that, you know, Bob has Alzheimer's and I don't see it as a reflection on him that he wears nine shirts. It is the disease. What I do instead is I examine, okay, like literally today, even with that exact example, I thought to myself, now what could I have done differently that would have helped me to remember it? I guess I could have put a post-it note on my windshield or driver's side window. Like that's the only thing I can think of because they're like right there in front of me. I'm not sure how I missed it, but I will ask myself, okay, how can I avoid this in the future? And it helps me to develop systems. And those systems allow me to not have to remember to do certain things because I'll create a trigger and that trigger helps me to develop habits. And so I'm always just looking at the things that I do and asking, normally I'm asking myself, okay, can I avoid doing this in the future? Or how can I help myself in the future? But sometimes I just laugh at myself and I just go, this is almost hysterical. This is actually funny. And luckily, my husband has a pretty good sense of humor about it. And so do my kids because no one else in my family has ADHD. I mean, my family that I've created with my husband. Now, my father has ADHD, my sister and my brother have ADHD, but no one in my, like, you know, this little nuclear family has ADHD. So they kind of find it humorous. And, and I've got a lot of friends who have ADHD. So we joke with each other. So maybe that's it. You need some friends. You need to get into a community of people who have ADHD. Maybe I need to start one. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start a Facebook group for us. How about that? All right, I'm going to do that. Yes, I'm saying that. I am going to follow through. So you can check in the show notes. There's another thing for you to check in the show notes. I'm going to start a Facebook group for us, for those of us who have ADHD. And that's where we can share these funny stories about ourselves and kind of commiserate and support each other and offer suggestions. This is going to be great. I'm so glad this question was the last one that I finished with because, yeah, it's going to be cool for us to connect. All right, guys. I love you. I mean it. And I will talk to you soon.